I can't hear you. I can't hear you. That's it. That's what the living do. Hallelujah. We'll take our scripture reading from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. I read. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. We would have a song ministration by the choir, and then the next voice you'll be hearing is the voice of our own campus pastor, Reverend Kingsley. Hallelujah.
Unfortunately, today is one of those days that we have a rather different uh, ethos to the worship service. So let me just help us put this in perspective. Pastor Peter, sorry to cut you as the spirit was flowing. Sometimes the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Uh, the way you were shaking the stage, I thought I was falling down or that the, the day had come. And uh, Deacon James, thank you for helping us to know that he's called Pastor Kinsley Kweisi. Yesterday I was at a funeral, and this gentleman got up to introduce some people at the funeral. He has known them all along, but then he got up and realized he calls this one Davi, this one is Efo, this one is Togwe. He couldn't remember their surnames, whatever their proper names are. So the preacher today is Reverend Kingsley Kweisi for the sake of uh, uh, the proper records. Now today, we'll mix, well, all of it is God's work, 
but there's, there's a timing and there's a reason for making some adjustments. There are issues that have been pending on our plate and most of us, we can only come on Sunday to do this. We are sharing this so that those who are capturing it electronically will know what to capture and when to capture it so that we can share it properly. There will be the extras after the sermon, which uh, Pastor Kingsley Quisi assures me he will uh, minimize his gift of talking. Not that he preaches that long, but as the Lord leads him, he, he, he would, he would uh, be merciful to us today and stay within some time scope. After the sermon and the altar call, as the Spirit leads, we'll go into some business. We'll look at three things, update on the fundraising, and this may be the last one that will take, the last time that will take the pledges to update you. Uh, and we notice that any time we update, there are some who update their pledges. <laughs> Number two, last Wednesday we had a business meeting to look at our budget for this year, some adjustments and amendments, and new proposal for spending, looking forward to next year. Uh, God sent a rain. It wasn't possible for us to form a quorum. There were about 30, I mean, how many were on online? 36 people were online and 31 people were present. So we did not form a quorum, but we did do business. And we all agreed that we'll bring it back to you today for ratification. Then the third one, the, the search committee have finished their search and they will present the report to the chairman body of deacons or the deacons today. I think all those are lined up for today and therefore be in preparation for that. So, team, I hope you get the agenda ready and know when to take the pictures and what to do that. Let's now welcome, see, even he's sucking me that I should come quickly. All right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Every preacher must be subject to the Spirit of God. So, you, you won't, uh, if my, my technical team will help me, you get to know that today God spoke to me so differently, as if I knew everything was going to happen. So today is not my four Ps. Oh, sorry. You can hear me well. So today of all days, God said I shouldn't do four Ps. So I wouldn't take time at all. I think I have about 15, 20 minutes. So we're going to preach briefly. So if we could get my slides, the purpose of evangelism. Shall we share a prayer briefly? Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege of being alive. And thank you for the task of the Great Commission, and thank you, Lord, for calling us to do your will. This morning, I submit myself to your spirit and I ask that you would speak candidly to your people. We, we pray that hearts will be warm and minds would be transformed and hands will be empowered to go do your business wherever we find ourselves in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm preaching with Pastor Faisal. She's working a lot on my time so that I could honor my promise to Papa in terms of duration. And this morning, I don't have much to say because I, I, I stayed night. In the morning, I was, I was just asking God, and God told me very simple things. And that's what I wanted to share. So if my slides will come up quickly, let's go. You, you would get to know that, oh, exactly. 
I was, I was kind of prepared a lot for what everything going to happen today. So, oh, can we go? Yes. The theme for 2021 remains living by the Spirit or the Holy Spirit. And this quarter, so we've started a new quarter. I know last week was for the music week uh, climax, so we didn't talk a lot about the quarter. So we're talking about empowered by the Holy Spirit for outreach. That's what we're going to focus from now to the end of the year. Empowered by, can we all say it together? Choir, your dress is very beautiful. Yeah. And today I'm looking at the purpose of evangelism. So, one of the things God allowed me to do out when I went to study, my course was on evangelism, on leadership, and missions. And, and I think that I was, as part of the course, I was asked to reach out to people I haven't done before. So, I went to speak to some Indians who really don't like, they, they're not Christians. They are not, some have never been to church before. And then I spent some time with uh, Muslims. Muslims who were not from America, who had come from Pakistan and other places. And it was my way of engaging them with the gospel and writing a report how it all went. My duty was not to convert them. It was basically to present gospels. So it was a part of a semester project. So I, I went to different temples. I went, for that's one of the shocking things I had. So I went inside the church. The church is very close to my school. And, and someone told me the Muslims have taken over that church. Can you imagine, like, a beautiful church like this? And then after years, because we have failed to evangelize, you find Muslims have taken Calvary Baptist Church, have taken over. And that's where they mock. And they are, they've divided all our rooms are being used for different aspects of the Quran and teaching kids. Very close to Weijin. Prominent. And they haven't changed any of the architecture. So from outside, it's a church. Inside, it's a mosque. They've not even built the necessary mocks thing. So today I want you to, so I'm talking about two things. I'm introducing the subject and I'll reflect. To exalt God in worship, we will grow towards Christian maturity and we'll reach out to the world with the gospel of Jesus. Can we all share the vision together? So our vision is very evangelistic in terms of impacting the world with the gospel of Jesus. And that's, that's really what evangelism is about. So today I'm going to explore a few things. Why, these are the things I want us to reflect on in the next few minutes. Why are some Christians afraid to evangelize? Especially to people who are not like us. This whole week or this few days on the media has been a, a hot debate on LGBTQI. And I, I remember I had, I had a good interaction with some of them back in the U.S. Even in Ghana, I've had few people who have come to church and have, have expressed either their children or people or who, who have done this. Some have literally moved their kids out of the house because of that. And then I begin to ask myself, why didn't you take opportunity to speak about Jesus? I said, ah, the people are not willing to listen at all. I said, okay, there must be a better way to engage them. But how many people have been intentional about sharing your life? So oftentimes what we do is that we share our faith, but we don't share our lives. It's a two different thing. What you believe in helps you to behave the way you do, all right? But if you really want to make impact, it's about how you are living your life. See, you can have the best of faith, 
and you would like to share it, but if somebody can see that it's practical in your life, it's difficult for them to change. And really, that has been very difficult for people. That's why many of us cannot talk about Jesus. Because we have a gospel which has not so much transformed us. So it's almost like we are sharing something powerful, what Jesus can do, but we can't find it in our lives. And so there's a disconnect. So the person listening to you, follow me to church, but somehow it's, it's about, oh, everybody goes to church. But the question is, where is the power from the church? So today, that's exactly what I'm going to do in all the discussions. And the Holy Spirit, I think I've done this before, so I won't take much of the time of the Holy Spirit. So get me the scriptures. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions for reflection because I think I want to change the way we approach evangelism and why we must evangelize. Let's, let's move on from this. Okay. So these are the three scriptures I'm using for today. Today I'm not running peace. Like I told you, I was praying. I didn't hear anything about doing peace today. So God gave me three scriptures to share with you. And I think the first one was read, Matthew 28. Sorry. It says, all power, okay, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. So we come from a reference where there is an authority and there is a power of God. And if you have not experienced it, you will be a liar talking about it. And so when I see people who can share their faith, one of the things I find is that they have not experienced this authority Jesus is talking about, all the power God is giving. Without it, you cannot go. You cannot evangelize. You cannot tell people why they need to give their life to Jesus. It's a struggle. It's difficult, especially when you are going to a hostile environment, an environment where the people are not nice to you. In fact, if you make a mistake, they will beat you, especially like entering that church to witness to Muslims. I mean, I went there with all the humility I could find. And that's exactly what we want to explore about why evangelism and how we can get it done. So it says, go and teach people. So three things you will find here. Power has been given, and then he expects us to go, whatever it takes. And the beauty is that every one of us go. We go to work, we go to the salons, we go to the market. Around you, you have a certain circle of influence. And that's exactly what God expects you to do when it comes to evangelism. Think about people you interact with, your baba. Can you imagine those of you go to funerals, those of us? Yesterday I was in a funeral. And the question I asked myself is, whose funeral will I attend and how will I behave when I see the person dead? Don't I owe them a gospel before their death? So you think of your uncles, your aunties. You are thinking of your brothers and sisters. You are thinking of your old schoolmates. You are likely to attend their funerals. And so think about if any of them has not the gospel, you have a responsibility. And you are not going to share your faith. I'm saying you are going to share your life. That is a big thing today I want to introduce. Because a lot of us are quick to share what we believe in. But ask yourself, what you believe in, how has it affected how you behave? And God is expecting us to share our life. So Jesus came most of the times, people ask him a lot of theological questions. And so he'll be hard on the people who ask. But when it comes in dealing with a woman at the well, it was about life issues. It wasn't about faith. God bring me your husband. What is faith in this? So they bring a woman who by law has committed adultery. I mean, most, most cultures, including our cultures, are very very biased. So I don't know when the woman commits adultery and she's brought alone. Dickin, I thought it takes a man and a woman to commit, but they brought the woman. I don't know what happened to the man. 
So that's the narrative. And Jesus starts to talk about their lives. He doesn't talk about what the law says. He doesn't talk about faith. He asks any of you in your own life, examine it. If you have not sinned before, take a stone and then hit it. And Jesus behaves as if he's not there and starts to write on the floor. And that's an evangelistic position. He's caught a sinner, caught in adultery, and there is a law that must be applied. But Jesus chooses that in this type of evangelism, I'm going to really understand the life of this woman and the life of the people who accuse her. And we're going to talk. So Jesus came and told his disciples a bit. Let, let me jump to my second scripture. Colossians chapter 4. It's, it's, it's a common scripture. But there's something that I want you to see there. Because oftentimes we as pastors, of including me, we make you feel like you have to beat us. No. Each one of you is very unique and the gift and the calling God is giving you. So listen to this. Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Verse 3. So Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. He said, pray for us. He's talking about pray for the pastors, pray for the apostles, pray for the prophet. Pray for the leaders of the church. Pray for our deacons. Okay? That God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. So he was asking for utterance. He was asking for grace for proclamation. But there's something that I want to challenge every one of us. But when it comes to every believer who is not a pastor, who is not a pastor, it's a live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. For me, this is why evangelism is. Not many of us have gifts of evangelists. And in fact, you might never be an evangelist. And you don't have to be. You are not Pastor Sinclair, who can be moved to any village, and for three hours, I have seen him talk three hours without getting tired. No, some of you, after 30 minutes, you don't have any word to say. And that's fine. So God is not asking each one of us to be like Paul. No, to be an evangelist, to be a pastor. I'm looking at people like us. Say, let, no, give me, give me, give me, give me verse 5. Stay at verse 5 for me for a minute. I've done 10, eh? I'll soon be done. Live wisely among those who are not believers. Look, I want to dare to ask a question. Who are your circle of friends? If where you work is a Christian organization, you need to go beyond that organization and make friends or people who are not Christians. So that you can live wisely among them. It's so easy to live among Christians. Though some of you say that's even hard because the pretense and the hypocrisy and the unforgiveness among Christians sometimes is hard. But today I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your old schoolmates. I'm talking about the people who live in your vicinity. Most of you live in communities. Everybody's allowed to live there. Bible says live wisely among those who are not believers. Bible says that they that win souls shall be wise. To think about it, I think it's about building relationships like anybody you know or you, you meet. Here in our culture, it's easy. Elsewhere, they don't greet. They don't even know who lives next door neighbor. So it's a lot of work to ask them. But if you really want to think of evangelism to us, this is what God asks us to. So it is clear that Paul was not expecting everybody to be on the level of apostle or a level of a pastor. Someone says, me, I can't stand behind the pulpit and preach. And it is fine. You don't have to. It's a gift God gives to people. We are not here because we're special. It's a gift God gave to us. So we can preach to 100, 200. Yours could just be that neighbor. You have to live wise among them. What I mean wise among them, this is what one of my favorite preachers will say. 
it's, you need to live a questionable life. A life that allows people evoke questions, like be a little weird. For example, if you're all your neighbors shy away from, or they don't treat their households well, you alone treat your household like it's your daughter, it's your child. It's questionable. Let, love your people which people don't love them. You see, the old church or the, the early church, what made them stood out was not bills they passed in parliament. And please, I'm not against the bill in parliament, but it won't change the Christian discourse if we want to win people for the Lord. Hello? Laws don't change people. It takes gospel to transform heart. That is why good nations with good laws still people go to prison and people do worse things because it takes more than law. The laws are necessary for guidance in the country. It's important we have the court system to bring order. But really, if we're looking for transformation, it's from you and me. That's why evangelism is important. Everybody who's gone to prison and preach, you know how the gospel can change a hardened prisoner. It takes the Holy Spirit to break through. So today, my challenge to you that I wanted to reflect on is verse 5. Live wisely among those who are not believers. And make the most of every opportunity. You see, when there are funerals, people go for the food. I'm telling you, be the one who goes for funeral and be different. Don't look for the food. Look for a conversation with somebody who is weeping, somebody who is sad, and build a certain relationship for comfort. If you get to a wedding, don't be like those looking for the extra food at the wedding. Make most of every opportunity. What I mean is that cease for moment. Because for many people who come to our weddings here, and, and those of you are really interested in the church evangelism, going out is great. But you know, people, God, sometimes God brings people here for wedding and for funeral. And sometimes by the time altar call is made, there is no one hospitality team to even welcome the new people. There is no counseling and follow-up to follow up internally. My point is, the opportunities God brings to the church and God is going to bring. How many of you love parties? Oh, please, don't be like, you don't love parties. You don't do birthday party. You don't have end of year parties for your company. I love parties. And you ask how? Because Jesus loved parties. I think Jesus spent more time in parties than he spent in the synagogue. You begin to check. And oftentimes, that's where the Pharisees will find him. And says, why do you love parties? Why do you? At the point, they even said he was a glutton. You check your scripture. They say, Jesus, Osmo food. Osmo Every time Jesus wants to eat. And people's like, why? Why? In fact, at the point, he says, he's a man of gluten. He's giving to his appetite. But he says, wisdom is justified with his actions. Because he looks for moments like that when people are relaxed so that the gospel will go. He was sharing his life. He told the disciples, come and be with me so that you can go out. It was not to come and learn one doctrine like the Pharisees would do to their disciples. It was a different style of discipleship. Most churches in the U.S., Papa will testify, have what we call the conference rooms or the... the, the it's, it's, it's more of an eating space. Most churches, and I think even this church, we've created an eating space. We have not just engaged it. Okay? And, and, and I know, I know a lot of you are very high. In this place, we are very high on fasting. And why? We must wait and receive power. It has its place. Please don't get me wrong. We must fast. In fact, fast twice a week. It is good. It's the minimum the Pharisees did. Luke 18. But beyond that, do you know you spend the rest of the time eating? Imagine that your eating time became a space where you seize the moment with people. Like people in your office. Cook, take food, sit down and eat. Do you know it brings people's guard down and allow people to be real and share a conversation? 
Immediately we start to do that, we see that we are building bridges and our lives are being shared. Sometimes we want to learn the three best scriptures to go and give to our neighbor because he's a drunkard. You are wasting time. It will take you a long time for him to be transformed. But start to care about the drunkard. Do you know one of these days, dare go sit with him whilst he's drinking. Don't drink the alcohol with him. You can take your Sprite, you can take your Coke and begin to find interest in why he drinks. By the time you know the story of his life, it's very easy to love him on that level. And that's evangelism. I know, I know, I know. A lot of people will say no. Today, I just didn't come to give you points. I want it to be real. Stop sharing your faith. That's what I'm saying. Share your life. Let your faith transform you such that it can allow you to live with people who are not like you. All right, let me finish with my last scripture, and I'm done. Yep. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain. Do you know why sometimes your children leave Ghana? Those of you who sense your children abroad, some of our young people, they leave and they don't want to go to church again. It's a different environment where there's not a lot of demands on them to go to church. And the truth is that they can't explain why they've been coming to church 18 years with you. Mommy, if your child comes to church with you for 10 years and you don't help him to be able to defend his own faith, he's living on a borrowed faith. He's living on his parent faith. It's not good enough. One of these days you are not there. They won't come to church again. Because they have not been able to accept what you have believed and has kept you. You have taken them to church. But it's more than that. They need to come to this place where Peter says that if someone asks them about their Christian hope, always be ready to explain. Ask 16 for me as I end. You see, this is where evangelism becomes practical. If we can help everybody in our church to be able to defend why they believe what they believe, listen to me, why they believe what they believe, their life will tell the story. And by the time they speak and defend it, but the Bible says, do this in gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak even against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life, not a good faith you have, not a tongue speaking. Nobody's going to get converted by our tongue speaking. But we need the tongue speaking to allow us to have a good life. Hello? But sometimes we think we measure our spirituality by the gift and the tongues and the fasting. No. Those things build us up so that whatever it takes, if we meet, we meet the most difficult atheist. And in this country, I don't meet atheists often. I don't know if you find one. I like to engage them because that, that, that's apologia one. What we do with atheists, you can't win an argument with atheists by your faith. You have to win it by your life. Your life cannot be questioned because everything about your faith, he has a counter idea about it. He will tell you why the Bible cannot be trusted. It's like some of you who spend the rest of your time arguing with Muslims when they come to you. This quarter, don't do any of that. Begin to pray that there are questions on your life. And I'm not talking about bad questions. Good questions. Let them see how you treat your house help. Let them treat how you see your workers. Let them see how different you relate with people. Let people ask you, oh, don't you get worried? So I spoke to a member of this church, and I will end with that story. My time is up. Thank you. Papa, am I doing okay? Of course, I'm finishing. Yes, by 9, 5, 10, I should be done. So I visited this, this, this couple, and I said, why do you allow a lot of people into your house? Because I checked, you have two kids. But in this house, you have almost 18 people staying here. And some of them, are, they are not even your relatives. Because when I checked, some said, no, they just walked here because they were desperate for something, and you almost kept them, helped them, raised them. Don't you think some of them come with negative, you know, ideas, and they may have witchcraft? I said, oh, is that so? 
That's what we hear people say. But we've done this for almost 30-something years. And it's been blessing upon blessing upon blessing. My, my, as I end it, I want you to know that there are a lot of story out there. You must live such that your neighbors will question, why are you so open to strangers? Why are you so caring for other people? Why do you extend help to the needy? Why don't you treat people like everybody's doing that? Immediately, you start to show the love that comes out of your life because your faith informs you too. It would begin to build the bridges and the conversation about what Christ does. It's not enough to speak in tongues. It's not enough to say, I go to Calvary Baptist Church. It is not even enough to wear a Christian badge. Like, in this house, Holy Spirit lives here. But every day, they are cursing, they are fighting, there's no love. It confuses people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So why evangelism is because we need a life that tells a story. The gospel will never change. It just needs a fresh telling. And this time, I came this morning, God wants me to show you this. And as I wrap up, there's a last one. I think I just got it. Romans chapter 8, 29 to 30. Thanks, my time is up. This is my last scripture. Think about this, Romans chapter 8. It, the 28 is very popular. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Listen to this, verse 29. Can you project that? For God knew his people in advance. Do you know God knew you? And God knows people who are not yet born again. He has known them. By, by, by predestination, by foreknowledge. And Bible says he chose them to become like his son. Why do we evangelize? Because God needs people to look like his son. So that, you see, God is not looking for people who have faith like his son. People who look, listen to it. He chose them to become like his son. So that his son will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Verse 30. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with him. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. This is why we evangelize. People need God's glory in their life. It's not going to happen through a lot of argument. It's not going to happen because we, we fight for them. Or, or we, we, we argue with them. Or we tell them that they are the worst people. It's going to happen because we're going to do what Jesus did. Jesus finds opportunities for bridges. He built relationships and he allowed his life to talk. And so people came. And, and do you know that none of the 12 he called were born again when they came to him? Oh, you still know about Thomas. You know, you know about Peter. You know, even at the time Jesus was dying, the man was ready to take a sword and fight. Was he really born again? What I'm trying to tell you is that in the post-Christian era in Europe, and many of you, God will send you by missions and some of your children who have gone there. What, what, what the research and everything shows is that we are going to win people when we build the bridges and let them know who God is with our life. They've had a lot of talking. Many of them have read for purpose of argument. They can argue with you well. But if you can defend why you behave what you behave, then one of these days, a lesbian, a gay person, is going to have the law or without the law, is going to come at your face. And you're going to use a law to deal with them. Don't use laws to deal with them. Use what God used for you. Whilst you were still sinners, Christ died for you. Can we bow your heads with me? Just talk to God right now. The Lord, I have known about many styles of evangelism. I have done giving tracts. I have, today I want to start by my life. And Lord, I'm praying that you give me a burden, a burden for people around me. That I will love them. I will pray for them. I would visit them. I would, I would seize the moment to be with them. That's all we are asking God to do today. Will you talk with God with me?
Just talk to God. So you are seizing moment. You don't have to be a preacher to do evangelism. Every one of us has a life. Wherever we go, God is expecting our lives. And then when we open, they ask us and we answer them. God will use that as a moment for them. A church to keep I have, a God to glorify. Who gave his son my soul to save and fed it for the sky. As I sing this song, wherever you are, we call you into invitation to know Jesus for yourself. Maybe someone invited you. Come as you are. People tell you, you have to be born again before you come. No. When you come to Christ, he gives birth to you. Many of us want to correct our lives. We want to stop the drunkenness. We want to stop the womanizing. We want to stop the bribery. You can stop it until you hand it over to Jesus. So come as you are and let God have his way. God will take time to work on you. After three years, Peter could still take a sword. Thomas could still doubt. It's a process. It's a process. And I know God will meet you right where you are right now. If someone invited you to church, we want to welcome you. That you can be a member of our church. There is a way to get that done. We can help you to belong even before you believe. It's possible to come and belong. And as you are here, God in his own power will be working on your life. And give you an opportunity to believe in the things we have all come to believe. So it just it starts by a relationship. And wherever you are, we are taking the test stanza. We want you to stand and we will be able to help you to have Jesus. Test answer. Help me to watch and pray. Help me to watch. This is my last appeal. You can come with your Christian experience to belong. You can come even not being a Christian or never have been to church. You don't need to come forward. You can stand or raise your right hand. We have a counseling and follow-up ministers. They'll be able to meet you right where you are. So as we take the last stanza, we're inviting anyone. That the church doors are open, you can belong today.
Father, we thank you for calling us to be with you so we can go out and tell people how your life has impacted us. People are looking for real believers in this nation. The numbers are worrying us. That if indeed we have 70% Christians, we should be able to love and to change this country. And so Lord, we are praying that in our heart, we would be able to have a defense of why we believe what we have believed. And to be able to share this life with others by being hospitable to strangers, by loving our enemies, and being able to reach out to people who everybody is looking down upon and grant them an opportunity to know that Jesus cares about them just as we love to care about them. May evangelism be practical in this quarter. May it not just be what it has been in the years. Big words, big talks, big outreach. Let it get personal and let it be so real. May the fire ago come so real to us that we can find the interest of people, relate to them, and pop that examination questions, even as we build trust in relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. So we'll follow suit while Papa gets Hallelujah. Shall we give another round of applause unto the King of Kings and unto the Most High for such a wonderful message? We want to bring you an update on the fundraising asset uh, today, and we'll be running through very quickly. I believe that um, the emphasis is gradually motivating people, and every Sunday, consistently, we've seen improvement. So we want to look at the update ranging from Adabraka all the way to OEB. So currently, in terms of the number of pledges, we now have 318, 318 pledges. And in terms of the amount pledged, this is 473,506. 473,506. The amount redeemed as of now is 48,770. We said that the target for the year, that's up to December, is 600,000. So if you compare this against that target, it means we are left about 127,000 to meet that target. We want to encourage as many people who still haven't pledged. I believe the ashes still have the forms, but if you haven't pledged, you want to take an opportunity to pledge, you can lift up your hand. The ashes will bring the form to you, and then you'll be able to pledge. Thank you very much. Um, we would also want to share a word of prayer for all those who are probably pledging anew, those who are now taking forms to pledge. Shall we, shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to come into your presence. We thank you for the great work you are doing in your house. We pray that even as we present updates and even concerning the works that you are doing in terms of projects, we pray that, Lord, may you touch the hearts of people to be faithful even when they are given, even to help complete this project. We thank you for all that you have done. And we say glory and honor be unto your name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. At this point in time, I believe we'll be inviting uh, Mr. Fair, um, Chairperson of the Finance Committee. Shall we welcome him with a round of applause?
press on. And victory, good. It's um, our privilege to come before you again to present to you uh, some of the accounts from our stewardship of the church's funds. Uh, we had a business meeting last Wednesday, and uh, as senior pastor indicated, we did not have a quorum, but we decided that we'll go ahead and present the main uh, decisions before you today for ratification. These are issues that are required of us under the constitution of the church. And again, in 2 Corinthians 8 and 21, the Bible tells us that we go to great pains in doing what is not only right in the sight of God, but also in the sight of men. So these are our motivations in rendering our stewardship. There were three issues we went through, three main issues. One was um, updates on matters arising since the last minute. I wouldn't go over that at this time. Then we presented the first six months income and expenditure accounts of the church compared to the budget. And then the third was the revised budget for 2018. So with your permission, I will just highlight the main figures, the main figures in the first half accounts that we rendered. It has been on the notice board for the past three weeks or more, and I believe uh, most of you would have had time to look at. And so January to June, we had expected to receive, in spite of income, we had expected to see 4.4 million. 4,410,000. And uh, you contributed 3.5 million, 3,546,000, million, million, which represents about just over 80% of what we have budgeted for. And that is quite remarkable. We thank God for that. I thought you would clap for that. Oh. <laughs> In terms of total recurrent expenditure, we had budgeted to spend 3.4 million. And uh, we spent in the first half 2.7 million. Again, that represented 78% of what the budget was. Then under capital expenditure, we had budgeted to spend 925,000, but we did spend 950,000, a little over that. So total expenditure out of a budget of 4.3 million for the six months, we, we apportioned the year's budget over six months. We did spend 3.6 million. And so the bottom line, we had expected to make a surplus of about 37,600 for the first half, and then we ended the half with a deficit of 108,000. Obviously, that would have been catered for by some of the savings that we had from the previous year. And so, basically, that is the results for the half year. And uh, I'll move on to the uh, budget for the year. 
uh, the revised budget for the year. Uh, in the budget that we presented before you, we put before you in January, uh, we were expecting to um, receive Is it projecting the budget? Oh, okay. 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 That, that is fine. Um, the, the revised budget is for the year. The January budget that was approved by the Congressional Business Meeting, we were expecting to receive a total of 8.8 .8 million in total income. And that covers ties, offerings, project offerings, tanks offerings, seed feed children's offering, teens offering, midweek offerings, uh, fundraising, designated funds, investments income, and then other offerings. So we're expecting 8.8 .8 million, but we have had to revise this to 10.3 million. I'll come back to that. Uh, discipleship, we, we budgeted 605,000. We have revised it to 673,000. Evangelism, we budgeted 183,000. We revised it to 244,000. Worship, we budgeted 82,000. We revised it to 88,000. Resource, we had budgeted 1.1 million and we have revised it to 1.4 million, almost 1.5 million. Communications, 326,000, we budgeted. We are revising this to 423,000. In Treasury, we budgeted 4.5 million, revising this to 9 million. Um, we are revising it to 2.4 million, but by adding an additional 950,000 to that. So in total, we had budgeted previously, the approved budget is for 8.7 million in expenditure, but we are now looking at 10.2 million in expenditure. So this is in brief what we are now putting before you to ratify. The decision was uh, taken at the business meeting uh, last Wednesday. And so, and uh, like I said, uh, this has been on the notice board for the past five, uh, three weeks or more. Uh, if you have questions, we're still available during the week at any time to help you answer them. But we would want to So again, what we're saying is that, uh, can you scroll it up a little bit? We want to just deal with the total. Yes, please, okay. So in the original approved budget, we had 8.8 .8 million, 8 million 820,000. That was what was approved at business meeting in January. And we say we're revising it to 10.3 million. Now, the reason for this revision is that 
we have come to realize there are certain expenses, you know, that we had not previously budgeted for. Um, we expect that a new senior pastor might be engaged, and uh, obviously we'll have to put certain logistics in place for him or her. Uh, that obviously runs much of the revision that we, 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 we are looking at. So we're revising it to 10.3 million. And of course, there are also some of the um, ministry lines that we have thought that we need to revise them, because of it. but they are not very material in terms of it. So basically, this is what we intend to do. Can you roll, scroll down to the total expenditure now? Yes. So, of the ministry expenses, we're looking at a total expenditure of 8.7 million. Sorry. Um, we're looking at 8.7 million, and we are revising that to 10. Yes, 8.7 million, that was originally approved, and we are revising that to 10.2 million. So, we expect to end the year with a, uh, a surplus of 55,000, 54,000, as against the 55,000 that we had originally envisaged. So basically, this is what we put in before you and the asking that you ratify. So on that basis, yes. So on that basis, I move that the congregation here in assemble uh, votes to ratify the decision of the business meeting adopted last Wednesday in the Once you move, Mr. Chairman of the Finance Committee, this is Mr. Ofosuafe, Chairman of the Finance Committee. Are other Finance Committee members here? To see if you are here, can I see you? Anybody here? Mr. Eric Hammond, yes, he's here. Who else is here, the Finance Committee? Uh, just a little caveat, we have, take my word for it, we have every faith and confidence in the Finance Committee that they are doing what they think and they know is good for the church. I shared this agenda earlier, hoping that would have seen these figures as they discuss it. But as somebody said, to, have a, to make a mistake, you need a human being. To really make a bad mistake, you need a computer. So we, didn't, we don't have it. So I would still say, you, you can make the motion you can accept it and vote for it, fine. That will be perfect. But this will still be on the notice board. If you go back and you see it, and you see something you don't like, you have objection to it, you can still raise it, and you'll be given an explanation or that. Because some of us, our own mind works left and right, left and right, but you know, there are some people who, who, like you said, we do things to be seen right before God and right before men. So if something happens, why we asked to do this and approve figures that we really cannot interrogate. So that's my own caveat. Okay. So go ahead. Thank Chairman. you. So any second? Anybody to second the motion to ratify the revised budget? <laughs> Thank you very much, Gary. Yes. Please. Mr. Gary Lawson. 
Is that the correct name? I got it right, eh? Thank you. The way you're saying yes, sir, I like the yes, sir. Only you didn't add a salute to it. All those in favor, say aye. Those not in favor, say nay. <laughs> you know, this chorus says, even if you look at their number, their nay is weak. Thank you very much, church. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, finance committee. God bless you so much. All right. We will take a few things. We have a, another one coming, search committee, but let's take some uh, moment before we take that one. Yeah. Hallelujah. Okay, it's time to take our offerings. And so let's be upstanding.